My name is Kim Rothwell, and this is The Return to Embodiment. I'm speaking with Lauren Peterson. Lauren is a dance movement therapist and a registered yoga therapist in Tennessee. She wants to help her clients find a deeper, richer connection with their bodies and the innate creativity that lies there. She specializes in supporting clients through dance to achieve body acceptance, and she offers a body-positive dance jam. In this conversation with Lauren, we talk about developmental aspects of coming to embrace the body, as well as the shift from body image to body percept, body experience. There's so much wisdom in this conversation. Thank you for joining us. What I really love about your presence on social media is how boldly and joyously you invite all bodies into movement. Mm, Thank you. Um, Yeah, it's so beautiful. And I really do think of social media as like, what do I, what do I ingest and what are the values and messages um, that I choose to incorporate into myself, to my consciousness, into my body. And yours are one of those that actually continually brings me back to movement as an invitation and um, celebration of embodiment in a really beautiful way. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you. That's so wonderful to hear. Yay. (laughs) That means a lot to me. So um, could you tell me a little bit about your background? Um, Like, where did you study dance therapy? Because I actually don't know much about you. Yeah, sure. Um, So I studied dance therapy at Pratt through their low residency program. And um, really enjoyed that. I'm based in Tennessee. And when I was looking for a dance therapy school at the time, I really was embedded in the dance community here and felt really rooted and grounded. And so Pratt's low residency program was really the only option for being able to stay in your community while also studying. And so it was a great fit for me. Um, I happened to be in a life phase where I could go and unplug from my life for weeks at a time and do the intensives. One of the things that was really nice through that program was the internships were in my community. And so I had already fostered relationships and introduced myself and dance therapy to places that might not have understood it or seen it before. Um, So that was a really nice way to build a presence here. Um, And I became board certified a few years ago. Um, Yay! Yeah, (laughs) which was um, actually a really beautiful process. I felt um, I'm leading someone through it right now who happens to be the same person who introduced me to the field in general, which is just really funny the way the world works. (laughs) Um, 
And so we were talking this week about the benefits of really owning the identity of dance movement therapy and the BCDMD pro DMT process is really great for that. So a couple other things about my background would just be that I went into the field really wanting to focus on helping people feel better in their own bodies, especially around food and weight, because that was a big part of what had <laughs> happened for me in my, um, yay, we have food right now. <laughs> that looks so good. <laughs> delicious what's that? what's that as I as I eat I'm like mm -hmm. yeah I love it I'm like yes please eat <laughs> please, please eat while we're talking it's so appropriate <laughs> oh my god it looks really good thank you <laughs> this is one of my favorites it's avocado toast and egg and yeah um, spinach and oh it's so good yeah that's awesome <laughs> that's an embodied experience right there just delicious food <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so, I love this I love that that was kind of <clears throat> your longing uh -huh. your your desire to support people's um inhabiting of their body yeah in a way that is feels good I just yeah. I, it comes through and in, in, that's exactly what I feel through your social media presence. So I feel like you're very successfully moving towards that goal. Oh, thank you. That, that really means a lot because I think it's, it's what movement was what kind of brought me back to my body <laughs> um, after being really disconnected and very not embodied. Um, and so to me, it's really important to help people find ways to safely land in their bodies in a way that doesn't mean that they have to change anything about their bodies, just paying attention and being present, which is really embodiment, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can start with that question of how is embodiment to you Lauren? yeah so this was such a beautifully worded question how is embodiment um not not just what is embodiment and um to me embodiment is being fully alive and present in one's body and Sometimes that might look like moving. Sometimes it might look like stillness, but it's the sense of wholeness and connectedness um, that feels resonant through body, mind, and spirit. And how that is, <laughs> is I think so different from person to person in different stages of their life. Um, embodiment for me, a couple of years after the onset of the pandemic looks really different than it did, you know, in 2019. Um, I think that like many of us, I'm kind of watching my own ability to stay present with myself and um, monitoring that and um, exploring like how, how can I safely stay present and take care of myself um, at this current stage, because it might look different than it did a couple of years ago. 
which I think is, I'm using the example of the pandemic because it's a global experience, but it's also our lives can change our embodiment and how we are embodied at different stages. Yeah. I'm wanting to kind of ask where that first, what, maybe what practice or what, um, dance form or what experiences gave you a taste of that? And then Mm -hmm. what led you to pursuing dance therapy? Okay. Yeah. What a great question. So I have these little moments throughout my life where I felt embodiment in different ways. And the first thing that comes up is I remember I used to act more than uh, consider myself a dancer. And I remember as a young kid doing this motion and in dance therapy, I think we would call it ringing because I was like pantomiming, pulling a um, a rope <laughs> in a, some play that we were doing. And I remember so deeply the feeling of that in my muscles and being like, there's something to this. Like, I don't know why I really just want to keep doing this, but I do. <laughs> and um that that moment came to me recently where I thought, you know, it's really interesting that long before I felt I that I identified with being a dancer, movement really had crept in. And I had taken dance classes and movement acting classes, but didn't feel particularly comfortable. I'm 40 now. So, you know, the 80s weren't the most diverse time in terms of representation and the 90s um, there was a very different body type than mine being um, celebrated and definitely not shown a lot of in dance (laughs) so my natural body type it didn't make sense to me to um, pursue dance Um, that being said when I had experiences with movement through acting Um, And I even got to take modern dance as like a seventh and eighth grader at my school, which is amazing. It just happened to have this great dance program. Um, So I had this really wonderful feeling in my body, but my mind was so self-conscious and anxious. I don't think that a lot of those experiences felt like embodiment to me because I was so worried. Um, And I remember in some of the dance classes I did take early on, the the presence that I think of was not one of connectedness. It was more disconnected. Like, why aren't my feet doing what they're supposed to be doing? <laughs> and just feeling really uh, less than because I couldn't figure it out. Um, nowadays, <laughs> I have a really different um, experience with that, but it took actually for me, landing in my torso to be able to have my feet behave. Um, because what I found in um, right right around 21 was belly dance. And I had always thought it was beautiful and was really intrigued by it. Um, and when I impulsively took a class, I happened to see two women open the door who were very, very different in their body types. And so because I was really struggling with my body at the time, that was a nice welcome sign to me. When I stepped into class and I started moving, even though it was it was really kind of coming from not, 
not the healthiest place, which I can talk more about. <laughs> but what happened was I found these muscles that I had never connected to before. And I felt different in my own skin just by that physical connection. And it happened to be at the time a very welcoming community. Um, I saw lots of different natural bodies and people of all different walks of life learning something that they didn't know anything about, which I think was helpful for me, not feeling behind. <laughs> um, and that experience of being in the environment and also connecting to my muscles was really, really powerful. Struggled with an eating disorder in my um, early 20s. Thankfully, it was a really brief experience, mostly because I found belly dance, <laughs> um, which is why I'm so focused on movement for healing. But um, part of what I remember doing is having this, this contrast between compulsively moving for the purpose of trying to change my body. But then there were these other moments where I would stretch once I figured out that that was probably helpful. <laughs> and I would stretch and go, you know, there's something really, really good feeling about this way of being with my body. And that continued in different movement classes, like movement for actors. And um, over time, even though I was really resistant to yoga at first, <laughs> um, for similar reasons to why I was scared of dance, um, I hadn't seen the representation and also was way too anxious to feel confident in it. <laughs> but it, it slowly through an embodiment practice through belly dance, it started creeping in as like, okay, I can see how my body actually really likes this. Okay, that actually feels good. You know, once it had the right container, um, I felt like I could eventually drop in and learn all kinds of different movement practices that really felt more connecting rather than disconnecting. I'm hearing you talk about one of the very first movements, which was the ringing uh -huh. and um, like a pulling ringing, which for anyone who's not um, LMA trained, that's like increasing pressure. So more muscularity to it or just bringing more um, intensity. Uh -huh. And then it's indirect, which means it doesn't have a, a one focal point. The movement is ongoing. Uh, yeah. And um, ringing is also decelerating. Uh, it's increasing in intensity while it's while it's slowing. Uh, Ooh, it's a it's a deep one. And yeah. then and, and you had an experience of like observing yourself within it with kind of a an appetite a little bit like, ooh, I want to stay here. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And then even like moving into your description of belly dance, mm -hmm. which has almost, a, it can have a similar ringing quality to some of the movements, which is super interesting to that me. That is. But the, <laughs> yeah. like a link there. Totally. You had the same sense of what is this? And this is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Centering your pleasure in the movement. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. Which is so different than the experience I had in other moments trying to make myself fit into a box or accounts or <laughs> it, for me at the time, that was really different feeling. 
for a lot of us, dance has been about, has been participating within a very um, ambiguous system within which there's violence in addition to perhaps pleasure. So my body not fitting the idealized norm. Mm -hmm. And um, as dance therapists, we love our movement practices. Mm -hmm. And we're also, I'm also in a process of dismantling some of that mm -hmm. restriction <clears throat> so that there can be, there can be discipline, right? Like, I'm sure that within belly dance, there's a lot of actual physical muscular training, yeah. right? Uh -huh. And there's also a way of teaching that dismantles uh -huh. the uh, oppressive norm. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When I think about what I want my work to do long-term, I think I so much want to include the people like myself who did have some appetite, but didn't know where to put it, you know, <laughs> like didn't know where the safe place to play and explore was in a traditional structure. Um, so I love dance movement therapy for the fact that it brings movement and embodiment to people that might not pursue a traditional dance class. They might not feel welcome there, but it could open up their, actually open their body up to the possibilities um, through a different intention, purpose, and, and presence. So you became part of this belly dancing community presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from there came to kind of understand your muscles in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. And continue to. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because the, uh, the school in which I still study is very muscular focused, but through the practice of continuing class after class to focus on these internal um, kind of complicated muscles and relationships, um, I noticed that I, I felt different. Um, and over time, the movement itself became important enough for me to shift away from trying to change my body. I think that continues to be something to look at in our culture. <laughs> but I, my, my focus went away over time from trying to change my body and move in a way that was compulsive or all about just continued effort and started to shift into, I, I really like the way this feels. So the pleasure of it. Um, I really like the way that I feel emotionally when I do this. Um, I have a community here now. Um, I get to do other things and in involve other parts of my brain because there is costuming and music and culture. <laughs> it was a much more holistic space for movement for me compared to 
I am moving to change my body because I've been told that there's something wrong with it the way that it is naturally. Yes. Oh my goodness. This is so deep and good. Um, I don't specialize in eating disorders, but I've worked with eating disordered patients in the past. And one of the primary things that was a goal for me was to move out of body image as a self-concept into body percept. And I realized that that is a fraught experience for a lot of us who struggle with body because people can feel uncomfortable in their body, right? But when we are in the image, we're trapped by the image. When we move into the percept, we might find the discomfort, Mm -hmm. but it's something that can be moved with and through. And there can be exactly what you were describing, the Mm -hmm. moment of pleasure, the moment Mm -hmm. of connection, um to sensation of muscle of tendon sensation of bone coming to know oneself from inside that was my primary goal when i was working with my clients and really massaging this idea that and this experience that you're describing so beautifully that there's an interrelationship between inhabiting the place that is us, the muscles, mm-hmm. the movement, the, the difficult conversations between our brain and our muscles that are like, why are you not doing what I asked you? Yeah. <laughs> how do I connect with you? What even, where, how do I know you're there? It's a process of inhabiting. And that process of inhabiting is that ownership. Yeah. Holding of my own being. Yeah. Yeah. And what's coming up for me hearing you speak about that is when we come online (laughs) with our body, um, we also get all of this juicy information and wisdom that isn't there if we're distracted by trying to change it or what does it look like. One of the things that I now have great access to as long as I'm continuing to, you know, (laughs) check back in with myself, um, are things like boundaries, my emotions, things that don't feel good, things that do feel good. And that was not there when I was disconnected and disembodied. That's what starts to make me feel like this is really important, powerful political work is when we are inhabiting our bodies, it's not just bodies that we have more access to. Um, It is, but there's more going on than you can even put words to sometimes. Yes. When we begin to devote ourselves to a practice of inhabiting our bodies in a frame that's about love, care, acceptance, Mm -hmm. not, not change or criticism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's an opportunity for celebration across the lifespan and across all bodies. Mm -hmm. That is a political thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The image, if we go with the image of the body, <laughs> the system is rigged. Like we are, we are going to be given inf confusing, uh, mismatched information that changes all the time, isn't even actually real because of the ability to enhance our appearance digitally now, which is just totally warping our visual perception of bodies. It's a lot of information that definitely, <laughs> I don't know how people create full barriers against all of that. Um, I do know that I've actually had really interesting conversations with a friend of mine who is visually impaired about this. And um, that to me brings up a lot of interesting questions, you know, like if you're not being constantly bombarded with these images, like how do you perceive your body? Yeah. The idea that someone who <clears throat> is visually impaired actually is granted a freedom on some level from the conditioning. Yeah, I can't speak for their experience, but it is an interesting thing to think about, you know, how how would that impact how you walk around in the world if you are not experiencing these images on a regular basis? How, how would I feel in my own skin without that? Yeah, I really love how this conversation is evolving. It started very much with this practice of um, belly dance that unlocked and opened for you access to a much broader sense of yourself. I'm curious, like, what was the journey from the learning that you were doing to becoming a dance therapist? And how is the relationship between struggling with an eating disorder mm -hmm. and how that is informing your approach? Yeah. Mm. Okay. So the learning process, um, for me, there was this trade-off of my energy where I started shifting more and more into wanting to learn a skill, wanting to understand something, wanting to um, problem solve with things that I didn't know how to do yet. So it gave me a sense of um, feeling productive and seeing progress on something that was at the time when I was not embodied. <laughs> I was overdoing trying to feel like I was seeing progress, you know, with, with a number that just kept going down or with, you know, longer and longer amounts of time spent at the gym. I was kind of being exposed to in our culture as valuable um, or something that I could use to make myself feel more worthy, more, um, I didn't have a sense of self really at the time. So it, it I, I didn't know what to do besides pursue something. <laughs> at the time, our culture really was focused on weight loss as a great thing to pursue. <laughs> so I was in college at the time. And so I really was having a hard time managing all of that because it is incredibly time consuming. <laughs> and so my values of wanting to learn and succeed in something else that I was doing was kind of at, at conflict. 
So I know that part of where that desire landed was, oh, you know what? I'm still moving. <laughs> so that could kind of calm the part of me that needed to move. Because there's a reason why I was drawn to movement, even though it went way, way out of whack. The The structure of learning a dance form gave me a container and boundaries, basically, to be able to continue pursuing something. But it wasn't this ambiguous, like... <laughs> just lose more. That's the answer that I'm being told. <laughs> it was more uh, holistic. And I was seeing like, wow, these dancers around me have all these different types of beauty and skill and creativity and personality. And there was a lot more for me to look up to <laughs> and try to pursue in that. So the the diversity of the people around you created more space for your own individual experience. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, I give a lot of credit to finding a, a dance form that helped me um, in this moment. I also was in therapy, which helped. <laughs> so I should give note to that. But I think that for me, I, ha I had to have the combination. I had to have my amazing, um, I don't even know if she was a registered dietitian at the time or not, but my nutrition support who like really helped educate me on what I needed to do with food. Um, so there was lots of things coming in to support that process. Th there's a key part here, which is that I found an identity in finding this dance form that, you know, gave me something to feel connected to. Um, and so instead of making my identity at the time about changing my body, I was able to shift it to something else, which was really helpful for me <laughs> to go, okay, well, I'm, I don't have to be that person who, who's pursuing that goal because now I have this other thing that I'm, I'm passionate about in early adult stage, <laughs> which for me was like a few years. Um, that really was a huge part of my identity. And I, over time, opened up to other forms of movement, slowly opening up my own box <laughs> and finding that actually I, I love all forms of movement. It just happened to be that that was the way in for me. Was a um, participation within a greater community that was a container for you to reinvent and explore. And then the allow those those experiences to be transferable to other places like the strengths and the learning became something that was a part of you that could move with you into the world totally yeah yeah exactly and i i did i learned things about myself with with being presented with a new challenge i learned things about other people <laughs> and um and over time, I start to, started to understand a little bit more about what was happening. It wasn't just this dance form is the answer for everyone, <laughs> um, but it became more about um, understanding myself in the pursuit of something that I liked enough to continue engaging with for a long time. I was a psychology major at the time, and so I knew 
early on, like, okay, what I'm doing <laughs> with this disordered eating is not sustainable. And eventually I'm going to have to address it. Um, and I, over time started to understand, um, I wasn't particularly interested in the, the next steps that were typically there for psychology majors. For some reason, I was not interested in counseling. I entertained those thoughts because they were the next prescribed step, but there was something in it that just wasn't drawing me the way that um, later on when I found out that you could become a dance movement therapist, that I went, yes, <laughs> like full body, yes, how do I get there? You know, it, it was a very different experience. Thankfully, I'll just say, I think part of what helped me know that it wasn't quite landing for me when I considered other, other paths was that I was more in touch with my body. I didn't have the language for it at the time, but I, I knew I wasn't quite responding to that. And I needed to really sit with some more life experience or myself to understand what I wanted to do. Um, so <laughs> the dance movement therapy process was kind of magical and wonderful where I found out about it at just the right time to have these certain doors start to open. And it turned out to be a wonderful match for me once I got in the program that I did um, and opened me up to all kinds of very, very impactful experiences. And yet trying to circle back, I also knew I was coming from a little bit of a different background than um, mo many people. Um, and I knew that I wanted to focus on helping people feel better in their bodies, much like finding belly dance, <laughs> finding dance movement therapy um, ended up offering me so much more than what I was originally laser focused on um, because I saw myself basically being able to offer something like what I would have needed at some time in my life. Um, and that has been what I've come back to, but in a really different, beautiful way where I was able to expand my movement repertoire, the people with whom I worked, completely different ways of practicing embodiment and dancing for lots of different reasons other than where I originally started. Um, but I've made my way back because it has been the thread <laughs> that's been continuing the whole time is really wanting to help people connect to their bodies um, so that they can be more of themselves, basically. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Um... So how do you talk about your body? Mm. In my work? That's a great question. Um, I think it depends on how I'm working and with whom. <laughs> what comes up for me immediately when you ask that is um, right now, part of what I'm doing is under the framework of, of coaching people through their relationship to their bodies. I use by example, a lot of the time, my own relationship to myself, which might look like sharing an embodied response that I'm having about someone's experience. Or if someone is moving as a part of what we are working through, allowing myself to be 
open about my body responses and the gifts that my body is giving me in communicating my intuition, my impulses, my emotions. Um, I try to use that through example um, because I don't, I don't know if everyone realizes what, what they have access to when they really line up mind, body, spirit. That's hard to put into words. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you are, you're modeling the movement as well as the connection, the ability to name what's arising. Mm-hmm. You're kind of coaching people in a way that you maybe wish that you could have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The time period in which I was forming a self-concept and, a, and beginning to understand my body, um, the perspective was really different at that time and might might still be, where our sense of self and agency and um, empowerment was kind of displaced. So focusing on um, changing something, um, changing my appearance, changing my body um, is a really different way of relating to yourself than if we were to say, just know that our bodies are these incredible sources of information. And the more that we can stay grounded and connected to our bodies, the more information that we will have to be able to understand ourselves and the world. That's a really different experience than the way that I was exposed to bodies (laughs) when I was developing a self-concept. I was scared of the word body for like a long time, (laughs) which is really interesting to think about now because it's Mm -hmm. all I do is talk about bodies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What was scary at that time about that word? Um, I felt really uncomfortable with that word when I was younger and I couldn't quite figure out why the closest thing that I could pinpoint was that when Ursula and the Little Mermaid says body language, it really creeped me out. (laughs) I don't know if you can recall that, but she's like really scary. (laughs) And she goes, body language. And it was this, like, I don't know what it was about that as a kid, but I was like, there's something in that that's really disturbing and scary to me. (laughs) You know, what's interesting to me about that is that she's also very powerful and she's also sexy and she's sensual Uh uh-huh yeah and for a lot of us that represented something wrong right being a full-bodied um (laughs) powerful powerful (laughs) octopus woman (laughs) right i'm going back in my mind and thinking wow what a goddess. Right? Yeah. Right? She, I mean, talk about an archetype. <laughs> like, whoa. And I was freaked out by it for sure, you know? And I, 
by the way, I, I love how people are reclaiming her these days. I think it's really interesting and cool. Um, and also, wow, to have in my psyche this image that was like so powerful. There's something to that for me about I, I wonder, I wonder what else made that so powerful. Because I remember getting uh, one of the books that I was given in the, you know, the awkward stages of development um, was Our Bodies Ourselves, which is like, that's kind of amazing that, that I was given that. And I remember being, again, so freaked out. I was like, oh no, it says bodies. And I like threw it under the bed and didn't look at it because <laughs> there's something in it for me that was scary, you know, and there is, I think something about sexuality in there and empowerment and just in general, not knowing as a kid and teen, what, what to do with all of the different energy that is put on for me specifically as cis woman's experience, <laughs> uh, developing it's, it's complicated for me personally. I don't think I had the words for, what was going on with that, but I knew I was uncomfortable. And later on in life, it became easier for me to go, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. So therefore I must need to change something. Whereas maybe there was something else happening where I was picking up on really intense energy that was toxic, <laughs> that uh, through a different lens and maybe some modeling of people who were really, really embodied and, and empowered, I might've had a different um, framework for it rather than blaming the body, actually bringing the body online and into conversation. <laughs> I love this so much, Lauren. It's like you're, you're, um, you're tracing developmentally sort of that vulnerability uh -huh. uh, that exists in puberty where quite literally your body is becoming other becoming something that is unfamiliar and for a person with a vagina and a uterus vulnerable yeah to pregnancy mm -hmm. that is something scary for a lot of people that's exactly how it's framed don't get pregnant mm -hmm. right right and it is this utter neglect of the potential wonder and magic and empowerment mm -hmm. of that change yeah. it's like shrouded in 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 shame and vulnerability mm -hmm. um so avoidance makes sense yeah totally oh my gosh Avoidance makes so much sense. And I think um, for so many people, uh, myself included, it's a way, really good way to stay safe, you know? To, if, I, if I don't understand what to do with all this energy, all these feelings, all of this going on in my body, um, it's a lot better to just kind of check out because what do you do with it? <laughs> and I, I say it's a lot better jokingly, but that that's a that's a valid option to get through scary time periods. And the strategy makes sense, right? The like, strategy of avoidance and dissociation and numbing yeah. and 
and disconnect of body and mind makes yeah. a ton of sense. Yeah, it really does. A lot of the people with whom I work, who, um, the, the people who ended up in say inpatient treatment facilities, which is where I spent a lot of my time as a dance therapist, um, often, and Anita Johnston talks really elegantly about this, uh, who wrote Eating in the Light of the Moon, um, often there's a heightened sensitivity that could be a, like a beautiful gift, you know, if framed in a different culture, perhaps like, wow, there's some really like sensitive, empathic, intuitive people. She talks about how our culture um, isn't necessarily the easiest place for those types of people. And so it can start to become really overwhelming. And one of the options that we are given in the, <laughs> the palette of options is um, change your body. You know, there's other ways to numb too that a lot of people are drawn to like, let's just totally disconnect with substances or other ways to disassociate ourselves. For many people that that was a way to navigate this really complicated culture that you don't necessarily have words to understand, but you are feeling things intensely at that age, especially when we're developing our self-concept and our relationship to our body. Um, so that's one of the ways that people learn to cope. Um, so when, when a dance therapist invites them to connect to their bodies, like, whoa, 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 <laughs> that is scary on multiple levels. <laughs> and um, so I learned over my time working in inpatient, especially to be very, very gentle about that process because it is very overwhelming and valuable and powerful and necessary. Yes, absolutely. I had a similar experience working in um, chemical dependency. Yeah. Right. right. Like I, I became really skilled at the gentle invitation into noticing and connecting with this place that is you, well, that has been neglected and, and abused in some way. Right. Yeah. Um, and how to begin those connections. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's one of the primary skills I think that dance therapists need to build. You know, mm -hmm. the warm up is so simple and so important. Primary skill how do you usher another person into connection? Oof. Yeah. Without shoving them. Right. <laughs> Without being like, I'm a dancer, just do what I do. Right, Fit right. Into the box because I'm a dancer. Right, totally. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Really important, nuanced work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a daughter. I have two sons. What are the structures, the imagery, the storytelling that can reframe some of these? terrifying narratives about bodies mm. you know it feels to me in your work like you're helping to usher people into a different narrative about their bodies coaching them 
to connect in a way that includes the sensations and values the voice of the body. What would the coach Lauren, like how would the coach Lauren coach adolescent Lauren? Mm. Mm. That's such a great question. I want to say just, just as a note, there were a lot of people in my life that were intentionally trying to have a different narrative. And I want to give credit to that because I think it speaks to one, how when I did struggle, I knew, I knew there was a way out, you know, (laughs) which was important. Um, And I think also I knew, I knew there was something off, like that there was something that wasn't, wasn't adding up when you add in the mix of the the overall culture in which we are brought up. Um, And I'm speaking about my own culture, which is, that's broad, but um, that's important to name because I remember, you know, certain conversations with um, important people in my life where I know they were trying to open up um, my relationship to my body. Um, and they were fighting against a lot. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, so I think that for me, one of the things that I probably needed that dance later gave me was permission to connect to myself and my preferences, um, through my body. So for instance, practices like, um, authentic movement. Oh boy, that took me a long time to be comfortable with. But when, once I was comfortable with it, there's so much you learn about yourself. There's so many gifts that we're given in just having this open space to explore and be present with ourselves and our bodies. Um, and for people who are not familiar with authentic movement, um, shortest way that I could describe that is that you are moving with very little structure um, except the time frame (laughs) and to follow your inner impulses to move or to be still while being witnessed by a non-judgmental witness. (laughs) Um, And part of the process is being seen in that and then having that reflected back to you that's scratching the surface because it's a really deep practice. But um, one of the things that I found in that practice was a lot of embodied awareness of me, you know, like what, what do I find in, in the openness of this, this um, improvisational opportunity? This is a strange thing to try to put words to for me, but since we're made of matter, (laughs) I'm getting really deep here. Since we're made of matter, at least the way that we understand the world, you either can put your arm out or you're not putting your arm out. You can put your arm out right here, or it can be right here, you know, and I'm, I'm moving my arm like right in front of myself or right above my head. There are choices to be made. And through improvisation in a safe container, you get to learn what you like and what it's like to assert yourself in space and be like, today, my arm goes here and not here. (laughs) And it sounds so simple, but it's really profound to actually put yourself physically in different spaces. 
And when I was younger, an opportunity to play with that and see what it was like outside of what someone was telling me I should do would have been pretty powerful because especially with your eyes closed in that practice, if that's how you're practicing it, um, you have to rely on something internal that is really hard to fake. (laughs) It's a practice. That is one of the things that comes up for me about what I would have, I think, responded well to at that time. Not as much about the image, but about connecting inside out. Like It feels like what you're talking about is um, establishing body authority on some level. Yeah. I get choices and preferences. I am mm-hmm. empowered to notice what my body needs mm-hmm. and respond to it. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah. Yes. This connects for me with food because um, uh, the practice that I really love um, is intuitive eating, where it re- it really is that in in food. What am I craving? What and can I have access to it? Like if 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 it's available, <laughs> you know, which is making a lot of assumptions, but um, but listening to that internal authority, the body authority. Um, because so much of our external culture kind of tells us that there's another, there's some other external authority about what you're supposed to do when, and we're taught in many systems like school or work, you know, there's, there's time for food and there's time to be working. It may or may not line up with what your body is actually calling for. Oh, that's, that's really amazing. Yeah. The relationship between, um, appetite and desire and being able to connect with that authentically and nourishment of oneself. I think that there's maybe a value an underlying value in dancing and therapy, which is that there is an impulse towards healing right? Like that would be something that I believe foundationally in authentic movement. And I love that you brought it up because it's my practice that's closest to my heart. And I I facilitate it for others and consider it one of the deepest honors to do that. Um, But there's this unshakable foundation that is there's an impulse towards healing. There's a way in which the body moves towards resolution. I know that with eating disorders, a lot of the external systems can get into the way and foods can become evil or the pyramid and the plate where you're supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z interventions have to be made at a certain point when a person's life is in danger, right? Right. But living as someone with an eating disorder looks like moving away from having everything dictated to you to what you're describing like returning to that the like what do you feel like what sounds delicious to you what would be pleasurable for you to eat and i know for some people with eating disorders that's way down the path and may not be imaginable but that that relationship with nourishing is part of that impulse towards healing 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The impulse towards healing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. But, you know, for example, a lot of the time when people get their relationship to food thrown off, part of what the body is desperately trying to do is to bring it back into healing. (laughs) And it can look like behaviors that the person doesn't want because, you know, if they restrict for too long, they're going to probably binge on the thing that they were trying to avoid. But the body is desperate to return to a sense of safety and that things are going to be okay. Um, Which might look to the person like a scary behavior, but the the body is trying to bring itself back into balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like by talking about authentic movement, that's a deep thing to think about my, my like adolescent me doing. Cause that's, that's an intense, beautiful practice. Um, and I think that part of what, what could also be done that are, is not necessarily not necessarily that open because, you know, that can be really overwhelming too. the openness of that structure, (laughs) Um, but could be opportunities to find, as you were saying, um, choice and agency and preference um, in safe containers, you know, like, what is that? What does that look like today? It might look really different in teenage Monday, Lauren, (laughs) versus Friday, teenage Lauren, (laughs) because it's a time for exploring and trying things on. Um, I will also say that one on a very basic level, something that I talk to people about on the image um, note is, um, as you were talking about being mindful about what we're taking in content wise, visually. Um, I had a really interesting experience when I was on Instagram for my professional profile at first, after having only had a personal profile. And I started following body neutral, body positive, recovery focused accounts on the professional one, because it made sense for what I was doing. And I found that I wanted to stay there long more than on the one that I had generated kind of by my my day-to-day algorithm. (laughs) And I think that that gave me a really uh, interesting perspective on how, what we intentionally engage with and consume and give attention to really does continue feeding itself. (laughs) We are in this overwhelming sometimes, uh, digital landscape where we really do get to um, decide how that looks for us, which is different than what's happening for a lot of younger folks. Right. There isn't the the choice and the preference or the intention, right? Like you have a tremendous amount of intention in your professional account. And for a lot of kids, it's, it's just this vast soup. Yeah. Yeah my hope for kids out there right now is that the more that they are empowered to listen to their bodies, the more they'll start paying attention to how do I feel after I consume this? Do I feel better about myself or worse? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I see yours, I definitely feel better. 
Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, you're full figured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're like very curvy. Mm -hmm. And a yeah. lot of the movement that you do is actually accentuating that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And you get to like accentuate it with the clothing that you wear and you talk about that too. And you talk about the what is an ongoing process of accepting your own image yeah. and questioning, oh, should I post this or not? And then taking the, mm -hmm. doing the act that is authentic of sharing yeah. the truth yeah. in the movement and in the body rather than choosing to censor or veil the truth of the body. Yeah. A teenage me would be like so amazed that I'm like, hey, look at this. Look at these curves. <laughs> because that's that's a plot twist I didn't anticipate, but I appreciate hearing your feedback about about how you feel after, you know, after engaging with my content. Because my hope is that it's positive and that people see more bodies moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Is there any, is there anything? Oh, this needs to be said. You're kind of moving a little bit. Yeah. Nice conversation. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, um, I so appreciate the opportunity to talk about these things with you today because, um, one, I really like it. And two, <laughs> sometimes it takes fumbling through words to really understand what we're doing in these very nonverbal forms of um, either therapy or creativity. One last thing that I'll, I'll kind of throw out there. Um, I was in a dance class once with someone who shared the phrase, this was Donna Mejia, who's fantastic. And she said something along the lines of, um, you know, the cells in your body have had their own adventures before right now. <laughs> and I had this experience in that moment, probably because of all of the movement that we had done to warm up ourselves psychically for that, where I felt the greater sense of if my body is not just my consciousness, but has all this other wisdom in it that may not be from who I, Lauren, identify as, wow, if I really listen, I'm connected to so much deeper wisdom and so much more power than I think the two-dimensional image of me with an Instagram filter <laughs> um, is when I think of my body as the flat two-dimensional image, it's easy to dissect it and really get critical about certain things. But when I think of it like this three-dimensional, wise, timeless entity, that's a really different experience. And I hope for people to touch on that just in moments of their life to um, feel that connection to something bigger than themselves. You as collection of cells that are ancient, Mm -hmm. and have been repurposed across time into different forms yeah and like the ecology that is lauren yeah it's a really different 
really different feeling that you can get than when we start getting hung up on <laughs> certain certain things that are happening in our body or what what it looks like today yeah thank you so much lauren i really appreciate it thank you so much for having these conversations <laughs> Thank you to Lauren for the generosity, laughter, and thoughtfulness of this conversation. Thank you to those who support my Patreon and read my articles and poems. Thank you to Josie Rothwell for the opening song and Erin Kate Dunnick for the closing music. Thank you to EEIC for supporting this podcast. And thank you to my listeners for joining me in the return to embodiment.